Hey guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. It is Friday, April 30th. For me, that means quarterly taxes are due. So right after this episode, I got to rush to the freaking post office and get my my taxes postmarked by by today. So I, I'll say that I uh, uh, this year. Not nothing to do with me. My CPA, more than anything, uh, I had my taxes filed like in February for your your annual taxes for twenty twenty for everything. Oh, nice for personal and business. Wow, I, I got everything in, and they had it knocked out pretty quick. Good, good. Do you have pay a big chunk, or do you actually get money back, or how does that work? No, for I you? always last few years I've always paid in. Yeah, I pay every Not, year, man. It's, I mean, I, I try to reduce it as much as possible, but yeah, um, it's brutal. I always my. Uh, my lack of accounting and, <laughs> prowess. Uh, yeah. Uh, I always, you know, but you know, it, it's one of those things when you have a business that the money and the write-offs, those things change every year. Right. So, well, know, and you, know, you have frankly, enough expense man, of one year to offset. Then the next year you don't get, you know, the write-offs change and then the credits change. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh damn. And then you got, and everything flows through to me because I'm a sole proprietor. So, right. Um, actually, and, you know, the LLC, interesting thing is we all, we all go into business because we have what we believe is some type of a, skill or a product or something it's not because we're accountants you know i mean i I mean i'm a safety guy the the, the accounting thing thank god i have a an accountant that helps me and i trust i don't know how to do any of that stuff man i mean you know well that's one of the things in my entrepreneur class one of the first things i tell them is look understand what you're good at and understand what you're not good at Mm -hmm. and then get people around you that can fill those gaps that's a great point and and i've done it i'm a i'm I'm dying if I'm lying. Like when I first opened my gym, of course I didn't have a pot to piss in or any money, mm-hmm. so I tried to do everything. Right, and, and much that's <laughs> to a much failure. Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. Or the man. First, but yeah, you know, you don't know any better. You have no other choice. You're young and you're ambitious, yeah. and you said, "What the hell? I can figure it. Out. I can do accounting. I can figure out books." And then, and you do right, but you fumble n- through it. Not yeah, that's, that's but it's the miserable. Best and then, and you don't realize how bad it is until you get a real professional looking at it. And you go, oh, <laughs> they okay. start asking you for certain things. Now but... I understand. <laughs> Ooh, I know, man. Well, I'm talking with Aaron Cerrone, obviously. It is the last Friday of the month. And so we're going to talk about leadership. Um, and uh, I've got a few questions for you, man. Um, as always, I want to thank our sponsors. We wouldn't be here without them. So uh, first and foremost, CCS Group, uh, Custom Concrete Specialists. The Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group, and uh, our good buddy John Falowich with Falowich Construction Services. I know he was at the gym. I saw him coming in as I was leaving he was, yesterday. He was. Comes in twice a week religiously. Good for him, man. Yep. Good. It's a good thing to be doing. Um, Aaron, as you guys know, is our leadership expert, but he's also the proprietor of Mid American Martial Arts, and um, it's time for you to get in shape. So if you're not, <laughs> it's it's not you. I mean the listeners. Get in shape, Everybody. give Aaron a call, and uh, go check it out. We, we have a wonderful time over there. So, um, Anything going on that you want to talk about? Man, it, it's funny. Started? We were just talking about knowing what you're good at. I, I totally, this is classic, man. I've been open 18 years. And, um, you know, just in the last five, six, seven years, have I really uh, shifted focus and started hiring people to do things and and, uh, but I still do the payroll. Like that's mm-hmm. one thing that I can't let go of is mm-hmm. the money. <laughs> right. That's, <laughs> the money that's the, tough. And uh, yeah. so I still write the checks for all my con- subcontractors. All my coaches are subcontracted. And then, but my front desk staff is all mm-hmm. fully employed W2, but I still d- enter the payroll. I have a payroll service that does all the tax things. Cause that, that was cosmic to me, how much needs to come out. Oh yeah. Man. But, um, but 
I just did payroll the other day, and I and I give um, some of them commissions, right, based on mm-hmm. sales and Membership. memberships yep. and stuff like Absolutely. that, right? So they get various commissions set up, and I entered the commission number accidentally into the overtime column. So like, two hundred bucks in commission, it showed up as two hundred hours of overtime. <laughs> so uh, one of the one of the ladies texted me this morning early too, and I was a little annoyed because I was able to sleep in today a little bit. And I, it's a screenshot of her account, and it says, hey, uh, let me know if you need me to do anything. And I was like, why is she sending me this? And I looked at the number, and the number looked like what the total payroll usually is. But then I realized that's just what she got. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Based on all of her overtime. So then I ran and logged on, and I looked at it, and, I was, and, the, and the payroll was like triple what it should have been. Went out. So I frantically called you know, so that, that money actually went out. It went out. Yeah. Oh, geez. And uh, I mean, luckily there's enough in the account to cover it. But uh, so I called them up. I called up, you know, the payroll service frantically. I'm like, hey, here's what I did. And the girl kind of chuckles like, obviously, I'm not the first person to have done that. But <laughs> right. it just made me laugh. I mean, in my head, I'm thinking I really shouldn't be screwing with this. Just a keystroke, man. All it took was one bad just keystroke. Actually Put the just number in the click wrong of the column. mouse. Click of the mouse. I clicked the wrong column and didn't pay attention to what and I was everything. doing. I was in a hurry. No, not, in fact, I remember... Um, Ashley, the girl that works up front where she goes, Hey, I got the hours done. I was like, okay, cool. I'll do it real quick. Right. I'll do it real quick. Mm-hmm. And then of course I did it real quick and then I screwed it up. Yeah. I don't think Classic. that's uncommon, man, but that is a good point. I mean, we all, you know, all of us that we, you know, that bring a skill to a certain activity or our business or whatever. I'm just a safety guy. That's all I know. I really have no business doing any accounting. I don't do anything legal. I don't do any of those things. I'm not good at any of that stuff to the point where I'm just terrified of it almost. I don't like it. I don't want to learn it. So you're very dependent upon someone finding someone that you trust to do that for you. You know, it's the old, I I had a buddy that was like, he ran restaurants. He owned and ran restaurants. And he said, finding someone that he could trust to run the restaurant in his absence was probably the, the hardest Hard thing to do. Yeah. You know, they were yeah, always stealing sure. from you and always, you know, just finding that and, the, and there's that, you know, one of the hardest things for business owners is to let go, to mm-hmm. re- relinquish Give control up and power. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, it's just funny. And I think the other piece there too is, you know, anytime you rush something, no matter how good you're at it, when you start rushing and you start taking for granted, that the attention it deals when, you know, mm-hmm. when errors start to show up. It's like when I first learned to ride a motorcycle, the guy that was teaching me looked at me and said, I don't care how good you get on this thing, maintain a healthy fear. Mm-hmm. Right? Maintain uh, yeah. a healthy fear. The second you don't have a healthy fear, it's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. That's right? good advice. You know, so same concept, right? The second you start rushing and taking things for granted, like, oh, I got this. I've done this a million times, is when the error happens and then you right. fall off the damn ladder. Well, that's complacency, and that's right. what we talk about exactly when we're talking about working safely, that you reach a certain comfort level. Sure. I've got this under control. I, I, I've got it. No I've big deal. I've tethered off a thousand times, yeah. and then a thousand and one, you... And then you hit the ground. Well, it, I must have tethered. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize I didn't. Exactly. <laughs> and then man. you hit the ground. That, you know, at 9.8 <laughs> meters oh. per second squared or whatever it is. I guess I didn't tether off. You know? Yeah, that one time, damn, you know, <laughs> normally I do this. But, I mean, that, that really is part of the struggle. And so that's a good segue into our conversation today. We were talking yesterday. Um, you know, we hear so much. You know, I'm on LinkedIn. That is my only social media 
resource. And so even LinkedIn is almost just... Which is arguably even too much. It's it's over. It's just so much, man. It's just so... It's even starting to turn. Yeah, it's off, right. you know, way off topic at this point. But, you know, that's how we distribute the podcast. And sure. that's how we communicate with other safety people. But there is so many, so much information about leadership being posted constantly and about, right. you know, happy employees and... You know, this kind of kumbaya, I love you, I want to, you know, I hug you as you come into work. Sure. You know, this this workplace that's almost fanciful. Right. And my question to you is, is that really the goal, well, a happy workplace? Let me say I this, mean, not to get off topic. One of the things I love doing, I have a contest, like a running, joking contest with some friends of mine is, we go on LinkedIn and see who can find the most absurd titles that people <laughs> right, have, right. right? You see the most, the, of I'm, course. An, I'm an igniter mm-hmm. and I, you know, things like that. But, you know, I, I see to the point, I see a lot of people with, you know, I'm a leadership expert, uh, driving better leadership in companies. And, and I look at it in the, in the, the kid's 23 years old. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the hell? <laughs> do you, you had know, a hell of a paper What kind of experience do you have in leadership, right? And I'm not saying that person's not talented or intelligent, but uh, it's always funny that when you see incredibly young people uh, wanting to consult on leadership, <laughs> right. and I'm like, man, there's some wisdom and knowledge that needs to go along yeah, with it, I without feel question. personally. Yeah, no doubt. Um, no, I forgot your question. Well, we were just talking uh, about, I mean, you know, is the goal having a happy work? Oh, I mean, it just seems like that is the know, direction that everybody's pushing and, us. And anybody that's listened to this has heard me say this before that, you know, I, I feel like we swung, the pendulum swung really hard mm-hmm. um, from this this very regimented driving, you're here to work, shut up and work, you get paid mm-hmm. to do your work, mm-hmm. and then slave driving type so, of So you met my father. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> And uh, and then I think it's swung to this, hey, it needs to be Disneyland. Type. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to be happy. And and the sweet spot is in the middle somewhere. Um, but I think the the problem we've gotten to is in the strive to make everybody happy, right? Which I agree with. You should be happy at work, but not would at be the, nice. but not at the sacrifice of doing work, right? And that's where I feel we've gone off the rails a little bit, especially in the larger. I don't want to pick on the tech companies, but they're the ones that tend to lead the charge of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. foosball everywhere and mm-hmm. coffee bars and nap sessions and whatnot. But um, it's yeah, it's great to have employees happy. You want employees to want to come to work, to enjoy their work, to have it a place where they feel safe and they can express themselves and they know they have a career and they know the company has their back, which is great. But if that employee is not producing, it's no longer great. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's always that question of what's the best kind of leader? Do you have this leader who's this driver who's no nonsense, a little bit gruff, nobody really likes this person, but, man, they produce mm-hmm. and they drive numbers and they drive revenue. And then you got this other leader who everybody loves, Mr. and Mrs. Nice Guy, um, loves to sit and talk with people mm-hmm. and empathy like there's no other but productivity is crap. Yeah. Revenue is in the toilet. So who do you want? Yeah. Right? And and the answer is what's and I always kind of default to this. I go, what is the ultimate gauge of a company's success? And whether you like it or not, it is revenue. It is all mm-hmm. about the money. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole point of a business 
is to generate revenue, right. providing a product or a service to generate revenue. That's business. Yeah. Because that business exists, it affords opportunities for people to have jobs, right? And the purpose of those jobs is to do what? Generate more revenue. Generate revenue, right? Yeah. To provide that product or service to the market to then cause sales and generate revenue. Yeah. And when we lose sight of why those jobs are there, mm-hmm. hey, that, hey, there's a purpose for this job. That job has to produce, right? It has to add value or you have to question why it's even there. Mm-hmm. So if employee A is happy as hell but not producing, who's getting hurt here now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the company's getting hurt. Right. And, you know, the whole people forget the whole fairness thing. Everybody should make the same wage and everybody should, should get the same opportunity. Like, well, not everybody produces the same. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you have to understand like, okay. I mean, isn't it, shouldn't it be merit based or performance based or something to some degree? Equity based, right? Yeah, to some degree. I get it. Like, I I, I love the idea of profit sharing. but That doesn't mean everybody should make the same Mm -hmm. because you should reward the high drivers. You should reward the producers. You should Mm -hmm. reward people that are bringing in more revenue. Right. Like that. I think that's only that to me, that's ultimately fair. Well, I mean. So you got to understand, like, with understanding that, it's hard for me to have conversations with people like, that guy's a dick. I'm like, yeah, but he revenues five times everybody else. Yeah. And his teams are killing it. They may not like the person, but his teams are killing it. Now, can you have that conversation about, okay, can we soften up on a few things here? Can it be a little more amenable to X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you need to have that conversation. Yeah. But who do you want on your team, who do you want in your company? The guy that's that's five times revenue, or Mister Mrs. Nice person that whose numbers yeah. are in the toilet? I know, man. That's really a t- there, that that and, is the question. And again, the the answer is in the middle somewhere. But at the end of the day, you know, if you talk to the CFO, who does the CFO want? Oh, he wants that driver five times right. Oh hell yeah, driver. Who does HR want? Hmm. Mr. Nice guy, right? So you got to find that balance. And, oh. and, and to me, that's the hard part, right, with leadership is finding that balance. Um, and there's a time and a place for both. Mm-hmm. But, you know, finding that balance is tough. But at the end of the day, and that's the one thing we don't like to admit, at the end of the day, if you're not making money, I don't give a rat's butt how happy everybody is. Mm-hmm. If the company isn't revenueing, nobody has a job anymore. Right, right. And and we forget about that that dirty little secret, right? The reality of it is, great. We have a great culture. Everybody's happy, but guess what? The company's folding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry to tell you, nobody worked. Right, right. That I mean, is that where we're, is the direction we're heading as this pendulum swings? Are we going to miss this? Well, we're kind of past the sweet spot now. We're going to miss it, and we're going to be to a point where. You know, we're in an interesting time, you know, I I love sitting back and watching a little bit. We're in an interesting time with this whole work from home and now companies are really struggling with, are we bringing people back to what degree is going to be some kind of hybrid approach? Um, I I truly feel, I just saw an article about Google um, bringing people back. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the reality is, is that this whole, I'm more productive from home was a bit of a farce. Mm -hmm. It was a little over-exaggerated. And companies are seeing the value in having people back in the office. Oh, yeah. Just from, you, I mean, you get more done when you're face-to-face. You have better conversations when you're face-to-face. I mean, that's just, I don't think anybody can really argue that. Uh, I think there are instances where you can get stuff done remotely. But at the end of the day, there's no better conversation than a face-to-face conversation and, and getting things done in real time in front of people. 
um, and, and having meetings and getting people in a room and getting stuff hashed out. Um, we're starting to see work-life balance get out of whack. We're starting to see work days get longer. People are working more on weekends because there, there's no compartmentalization between right. work and home because it's the same place in the mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. And some people can do well in that. Some people can't. You know, the high drivers, I think, are still going to high drive. And the social loafers are going to loaf even more. Right. And That's I think companies are seeing that. And now yeah. there's there's a dilemma. And and from a leadership perspective, it's hard to lead people when you're scattered across. I'm, I'm sure. The town or the city or the country or the world. It's hard. It, mm-hmm. You know, anybody says, oh, it's not a problem. That's it, baloney. Um, getting people in a room and having those one-on-one conversations and getting everybody in there and getting head nods is is very important i feel right you need that human contact and human interaction mm-hmm. I, I do too I, I prefer that absolutely in most of the places that i deal with the employees come into a workplace and perform some kind of a task I yeah mean, so these type of industries you know the whole remote thing was never really an option you know, everybody's not, not still them. on site right you know? exactly and so this this isn't as big of a deal in, in the, these types of industries but i think the um, you know, the leadership aspect of it, obviously we talked about this transcends yeah. and, um, and those, di- as the dynamics change of the work environment, you know, so does the leadership model, right? There, there's no set way to do it. it it's always a, a living, breathing, morphing, adjusting, yeah. adapting what, approach. Let, let me ask you this. What, and uh, this just came to mind, what changed? And it's just been almost like, like in one generation but my father was, you know, farm kid, you know, work hard, shut up, you know, do what the boss tells you kind of a guy. Uh-huh. And I worked for a guy at OSHA who was kind of that guy. He's uh, probably half a generation older than me. He's, sure. you know, not, not significantly, but, you know, a little bit older than me. But he was, he was that just like, hey, just shut up and do your job guy. Uh, not tyrannical, but close, you right. know. And and that's how coaches used to be. That's how everybody used to be. That's how I mean, the military was. That's how the military was, man. And now, like, you know, now I, now now everybody has swung. And so, what changed everything? Is it was that just well, people couldn't sustain that, or was it like the way that we're? I know the way we parent children has changed significantly. Even is it all? I think there's just the, the reality of we we realize that. The human element is important to acknowledge that people just can't be looked at as units, numbers, or workhorses, and uh, the leadership aspect needs to acknowledge that. You're not just a means to an end to me, and I think that's what's changed, right? The whole, you know, the wave of PC came through, the Mm -hmm. touchy-feely wave came through, and, and affirmative action came through, so a lot of necessary movements happened in our culture mm-hmm. and which transcend which trickled into the workplace obviously and it swung really hard but at that I think that's just human nature that when we when we acknowledge that something's not right in an attempt to fix it we overcorrect and then have yeah, to pull it yeah, back in sure right have to pull it back in uh, so when I first got in the military it was yes sir no sir you know salute smartly and soldier on and you didn't ask why and now, if you look in the military, it's encouraged to ask why, mm-hmm. right? And, and the military is, is very, taking a lot more of a corporate feel, much more of a corporate feel. Everybody has a say. Everybody gets to have input. 
Everybody's input is valued. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was, shut up, lieutenant, do your thing. Right? Is, that, is that good? Is that a good in a military setting? Is that um, helpful? Or? Again, there's a time and a place, right? There's a time and place for everything. Obviously, mm-hmm. in war, when the, when the shit hits the fan, uh, you don't have time to ask just why. Orders and there's a time and a place where you just got to do what you're told mm-hmm. and get it explained to you later on. Like, you know, the bigger pictures yeah. for other people to handle. You have a very tactical thing. And, and there's different levels, right? So when you're at the strategic level, right, the, it's more appropriate to ask those why questions. Why are we doing this? What's the meaning behind it? When you get down to the tactical level, right, that, exe- that execution piece where the rubber meets the road, there's less of a need to ask why because now you're executing very specific things mm-hmm. and um, you may not understand where it fits in the bigger picture, but you don't need to at that moment. Right. That's interesting. You know, so you were talking about um, – effectiveness of the, that old school management style. And again, I, I refer back to my OSHA time. I worked for a guy and um, he was a pretty hard guy. He was, uh, you know, nobody, uh, to be quite honest, I didn't really like him, you know, but, you know, he pushed real hard. It seemed like it was all very self-serving. He just wanted right. the office to be very high performing because that led to his you know, accolades and any type of awards and things. But I will tell you um, that we were year after year after year, the highest performing office. You know, we always did really well and we were bitter. Most of the employees didn't like the work environment. But the fact of the matter is most employees stayed because, you know, it was a reasonably good job from a pay and benefits standpoint. And people, you know, I mean, working for OSHA is actually fairly... Um, not prestigious necessarily, but it's a good gig for a safety person. Right. You know, and um, so in spite of the fact that it wasn't the most pleasant work environment, we were high performers and sure. most of us stuck around. It's hard to argue with results. It is, man. And It's very and so, hard to argue with results. And you know, I just looked back and, and disliked this guy, but realized, you know, stepping away from that now for, I've been away for quite a while. Right. It was pretty effective. I mean, sure. it was a performing office. Yeah. Again, it's, it's hard to argue with results. It's hard to argue with productivity being up. It's hard to argue with errors being down. It's hard to argue with safety instances being down and, and revenue being up. You know, if, if you look at a lot of people hated Steve Jobs because mm-hmm. he was tyrannical in some respects. Um, a lot of people didn't like Vince Lombardi because mm-hmm. exactly. he was very demanding and, and, and very regimented and it's my way or the highway type of approach and, and a lot of those type of people in this day and environment will probably get fired mm-hmm. for saying some of the things they said or acting the way yeah, they did no doubt right wrong or different obviously there's time periods there's context that's important to understand but again at the end of the day it's it's like an employee if i'm managing an employee and the person's very nice and everybody loves this person they're a great team player but they're not producing what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. So I can try to coach them up and get them to produce and give them the tools they need. But at a certain point, you're going to go, okay, I, I've given this person more than enough opportunity. I've given them all the more than tools than I've given anybody else and more coaching. You know, it, it's time to let them go. Mm-hmm. And, and that's yeah. not wrong in my mind. Right. Now, there's a lot of people who push back on me and say, well, Aaron, you need to, a good person's a good person that are a valuable asset and you need to put, then find a different role for them. Okay, maybe that's true. Maybe I can put him in a different role. But at the same time, as if, if I'm trying to 
find work for you to do. Based on your lack of ability based to perform. Based on your lack of ability to perform <laughs> or your lack, you know, I got a question myself is like, are you an asset to the company or do I need to get somebody else that can do the mm-hmm. work for this particular area? And I get it. You know, when you hire, you hire for attitude, you know, you hire for the intangibles in, in most cases. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, work has to get done at some point. Right. Um, and you have to make that hard decision sometimes. And when, when it talks to leadership, your your second and third level leaders, your mid level leaders, your supervisors, your, your floor managers, it's the same thing, you know, it's like, are they getting the work done? Mm-hmm. Are, are they getting their people to work hard and get the work done and, and get it done in a timely manner and, and with efficiency and quality and re- error reduction and waste reduction and all those things we like to talk about. Um, that helps us revenue and increase our margins. If none of that's happening, now I have to question, mm-hmm. is this the right person? Or do they have the skills and attributes? Yeah. Regardless of whether they're liked or not. What, right? what's, what's the tipping point? So I, I, say, for example, I'm a company, construction company, small manufacturer, whatever. I've got those old school leaders. They've been with the company for 30 years. They know the business backward and forward. They're good at what they do. They're just gruff and harsh. And do I need to work on? I mean, I ha- get that question all the time. I get, I have these guys, Fletch. They're, you know, they're good superintendents, but man, they are assholes, and they're always screaming at my guys and stuff. What do I do? Do I need to change them? I mean, what's the tipping well, point? If, or, if people are leaving, obviously, I need to do something. Or I think change is a strong word, but the conversation needs to happen, and that conversation needs to be along the lines of. Look, I, I get you have your ways of doing things, and I get that it works, okay? But here's the thing. When my guys show up and you're screaming at them, that doesn't help us get our job done. Mm-hmm. So can we, can we find a happy medium here? I'd appreciate that if you not scream and yell. I, we can, I appreciate how you do things. I need you to appreciate how we do things, and let's find a happy medium. Mm-hmm. Right? It's 2021, man. Right? It, let's, you know, I, I get it, man. I get it. It works for you, but it's not working for us. And and you need us to get be able to do what we want to do and, right. and vice versa. So we, we need to find a happy medium here. And hopefully adults can be adults and cooler heads apply. And you got to remember, a lot of times it's the heat of the moment. Sure. It's, you caught them off guard. Right, I'm sure, sure safety and OSHA guys have never caught people off guard. <laughs> oh yeah, man. right. So you caught them off guard. They're having a bad day. They already got a full plate um, because they're drivers. They got their hands on a lot of things. And right. now this is one thing that caught them out of the blue. Another, and they just and they just backlashed, right? And they got defensive. If you calm people down, have a civil conversation, and 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 it's on us, right? As a safety professional and the safety leader, go okay. I see where this is going. It's not the time and the place to butt heads. I'm going to throttle back and reattack mm-hmm. and schedule a meeting when everybody's calm, maybe first thing in the morning over coffee and a donut. Yeah. And say, okay, yeah. look, yesterday didn't go well. I get it. We caught you off guard. We need to have this, but we need to have this conversation on how we're going to get this done. Yeah. Can Can you help me out? And, and we can help you out. Yeah. And I like that. And then it's better. You're not going to change that person. And, and, you, and you may not want to. Right, because right. obviously they're effective yeah. in getting what they can do. But there needs to, we need to bridge that gap as as a safety professional. We got to bridge mm-hmm. that gap somehow, right? And a lot of times, you know, we're we're human. They come back at us, and, and we want to go right back at them in full force, and we're going to solve this right now. And it's like, okay, 
right now is probably not the best right. time because you don't know what else they're dealing with. Right. It's like when I deal with students and, and I see somebody not performing like they should be performing, I have to stop myself and go, okay, there might be something else going on here. Why they're having a bad day or I've been mm-hmm. off the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, why is this person biting my head off? Right. Or what else is going on? They may have just had one of their people screw something up just heinously and someone got hurt. Mm-hmm. Or they just screwed up an order so bad they had to scrap it and start over. Right. And now that's all wasted. And well, now they're on a time crunch because the customer's expecting it tomorrow. Yeah. That's stressful. Well, you said something really interesting, too. Those those high hard chargers, high performers, we typically load them up anyway. You know, well, sure. so they're probably, they probably have a lot of balls in the air. They, and they show are, a propensity for being able to take on huge workloads. And yeah. we go, well, Doug can handle it. Throw it to him. Just give them more and, and more. And boom, they take more. And they don't say no, which they probably should in some cases. Right. Um, and they just take it on because they've shown they can get it done. And they will get it done. Right. But again, you know, then we roll in as safety people going, okay, I need you to do this. And, and he's just like, you know, in his mind, he's like, one more freaking thing. <laughs> That's right. Someone's going to go, right? Yeah. I'm going to go yeah. postal. I can't do any more paperwork. Don't you know give funny? me any more paperwork. I made, the, I made the reference of going postal in one of my college classes, and none of them knew what I was talking about. Really? I was like, are we that far removed <laughs> from that incident? <laughs> yeah, apparently. But, man, now you could just say going FedEx or going uh, man, just going, about anything else. I mean, Like, what's going postal mean? I go, you know, just losing your crap, going in and shooting everybody, right? <laughs> Yeah. And they're like, huh? No. Huh. I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <I was like. laughs> I'll come up with another reference. Well, okay, I got a question for you. What's up with micromanagers, man? So when I look back on the history of managers that I've had, some were good leaders, some were probably less good leaders. Uh-huh. I've had some micromanagers. What, what's up with this micromanagement stuff? I mean, isn't that – I mean – me, personally, I want to be trusted. I, you know, maybe I have to certainly earn that trust, but I want to, you know, if you hired me for this job, shouldn't you allow me to do my job? Sure, and, and but you got to remember, there's also some people that want to be micromanaged, and that's where, as, as a manager or leader, you got to find that, that specific recipe for each individual person. Mm-hmm. If you try to broad brush it across everybody, you're not going to manage people well. So someone like you, I go, okay, Doug is has a high accountability, he's a self-driver, so I can just give him work and say, let me know if you need anything. And he's going to come back in two weeks and go, here you go, boss, it's done. Perfect, and done well. Now, I might have Billy over here, who I need to be very specific in what I ask Billy to do. Mm -hmm. He'll do it well, but he's not going to think outside the box. He's not going to take any initiative to do more other than what I told him exactly to do. Right, so that's more of a micromanage situation. Yeah, not micromanage in respect. I'm always on top of him and in his chili, but I'm going to check in on him more frequently. I'm going to have him check in with me more frequently. I'm going to give him specific things to do as he goes along. Whereas you, I'll give you something to do. You go, okay, I'll be back, and then you might do more because in the process of doing what I asked you to do, you saw that this was screwed up, so you went ahead and fixed that as well, and you saw that was messed up, so you added it to that. And you come back and you go, hey, boss, I did this. And, oh, by the way, we fixed this and this along the way. I'm like, awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, each individual person brings a, a unique need in how you have to manage and lead them. Where I think most leaders screw up is they don't have that ability to perceive each person's needs to be led a different way. And they just mm-hmm. kind of broad brush and go, 
this is how I'm going to lead. And if they can't do it, I just need to get the right person in there. Right. That, that is particularly applicable in this safety world because there, there tends to be well, uh, going back to general, what we just you know, saw, work safely, just about. Yeah. you know, you, you go to your group and you say work safely. And to some people that means something and they can, they can deal with that. But to others, they don't know what that means. No idea. Right. You know, and uh, so they need specific detail. And, sure. and so you need, there are some people you're going to need to hand a specific checklist and say, do this every shift. Right. And they will check, 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 check. Right. Then there's other people who intuitively understand what work safely means. And they will do all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then you have others that are kind of somewhere in between. Like, okay, I know what work safely means, but I need you to show me anyway, mm-hmm. just to make sure we're on the same page. Right. Um, and, and you need to hit all of those, right? Yeah. Because you don't know what approach is going to resonate with whom. And then, like we just talked about, you know, your, your supervisors and your site managers, they're the same way. You can say, hey, okay, guys, we need to work safely. And they'll go, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. But then you need to have that conversation. You go, okay, I want you to articulate to me what that means. Mm -hmm. Because we may not be on the same page. You say you got it, Mm -hmm. but you've been around here for 35 years. I've been around here for five. So work safely when you first started working here is much different than what it means now. Right, right. Or what we're trying to get to. That's a great So let's have that conversation of what... I know you said, yep, I got it, mm-hmm. but okay, ex- articulate to me That's a great what point. I just said because now it's like, okay, no, 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 that's not what I meant, right? Mm-hmm. Or, okay, I understand that's how you interpret it, but here, here's what I mean. Mm-hmm. And here's where we need to get to. And, and they might go, oh, okay, now I understand. Because they would they would have marched off and done something completely different mm-hmm. and maybe made it worse in some respects. So, you know, in communication, there's there's my intent, then my message, then the medium, then you have to receive it, interpret it, and understand it, and then reply. That can break down at any point in yeah, there. Yeah, Right? I know what I meant when I said it, and you nod your head like you understood it, but the interpretation was off. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a head nodder by, by I might nature. say something, and I might articulate in a manner that's clear as day to me, and they're looking at you going, I don't understand the words coming out of your mouth right now. Yeah. And I see that all the time, right? It's really challenging for me, like in a martial arts setting, and I got a room full of 30 people. Well, how many different types of people are in that room, do you think? 30. Oh. So least. I will explain <laughs> something. And I go, everybody got it? Ready, break. Or everybody got it? And I look around, and I can see the looks on their face. I go, okay, let me explain it again. Right. Or any questions, and no one raises their hand. I go, you okay, got a problem. you're lying to me right now because I can see the look on your face that some of you don't mm-hmm. understand it. So I'll explain it like three or four different ways. And even then, we'll go ready, break, and I'll have someone come and go, I didn't understand that. And I'll have to figure out a different way to explain it to them mm-hmm. or, or how to. Some people need to see it. Some people need to hear it. Some people need both. Some people need to feel it. Wow. That translates exactly into what we're talking about on the safety right. side too. All of those different experiences to actually understand. But I love the idea of, you know, asking the employees then to recount to you what it means to do this job safely or this task safely. What does sure. that mean? You know, because again, you're going to get as many different answers as you have employees probably on that crew. And I think rather than just say, okay, make, you know, we're going to be working up at elevation. So make sure you got your fall protection. I guess what that I, sh- I should be saying, okay, we're going to be working at elevation. What does that mean? And right. get them to re or when I say fall protection, here's what I right. mean by right. that. 
And because some people, obviously, and then, again, going back to the complacency thing, the longer you've been up there at elevation working, the less safety measures you'll start to take. Mm -hmm. It's just natural. So when I talk to Doug, I go, hey, make sure we're working safety. They go, yep. Well, his level of safety and security up there is much different than the day one person. You know, day one person is going to do everything, right, mm -hmm. to, the, to the T. And the guy that's been there 40 years might do half of it. Right, so, you, so you're trying to prevent that from happening. Mm -hmm. And you need to, you know, hey, we're going to elevation. Let's work safe today. Let's, let's make sure we got all the safety measures in place. Yep, yep, got it. Okay, here's what I mean by that. Yeah. Right? Or And then, you know, in the spirit of getting better, in the spirit of process improvement, you take your veterans, the people who have been there for a long time, and you say, hey, um, in your mind, what are the safety things we need to worry about on the job? Or what do you think is appropriate? Mm -hmm. What do you think is too much? What do you think is not enough? Right, right. That's a great question for them. Yeah. Right, because their tolerances are going to be different. You ask a day one person, hey, how much safety stuff do you think you need? They're probably going to laundry list everything they ever learned mm -hmm. in their tech school, in their trade school, and what the union beat on them about. And, you know, it's going to be a mile long, whereas the guy that's been there for 40 years is probably going to say, I just need this and this. Yeah, here's what we really need. Or here's what I think we need because I'm smart enough not to step here. I'm smart enough not to put my hand there. Right. But the newer people aren't. Right. So this person can get away with not adhering to some of the safety measures because they intuitively know not to do certain things, whereas others don't necessarily know that. That's very true. Right. So it's a, kind of this that whole concept of common knowledge, which is really kind of a farce or a fantasy of sorts that... You know, or, it's or only tribal knowledge, or right? Tribal knowledge. It's only common to certain people, perhaps, exactly. that have had those experiences. Exactly. So it's hard to fall back on that. Well, it's common knowledge not to put your hand there. Is it? Is it? Is it? Yeah. Obviously, it's not because somebody yeah, just lost just one. Did, yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, I see one laying right over there. So apparently not. But yeah, that's um, that's a very common uh, challenge right. in our in the in the safety culture. So it's is, it's the job of, of that safety leader, that safety professional, to make sure common knowledge truly is common right and there's a there's a there's a standard general understanding a common understanding of the safety expectations within the company and on that crew mm -hmm. um, and that needs to be echoed all the way throughout that everybody's on the same page and everybody understands what the standard is yeah um, and, and not just assume people know it right the second you make an assumption that's you know, that's that's a selfish yeah that's a selfish determination that you know what I know or, or we agreed on something when we never had the conversation. Right. Oh, that's a good point. That's interesting. Well, man, I, I want to shift gears a little bit here. And I just wrote this down this morning just as a point of um, conversation. What, what about work ethic? Um, I hear from employers and, you know, facilities that I visit all the time that they are really struggling to find labor you know, they can't find anybody interested in, in working. And so, you know, they are, you know, a number of employees down on their on their rosters and they just don't have enough people to fill these jobs. And, you know, there are a lot of influences, you know, things that have influenced people's mm -hmm. willingness to work, whether that be, you know, stimulus money or right. unemployment money, you know, the bump to unemployment payments and things. And I literally was just out to eat the other night with a friend and there was a sign on door now hiring. And the person goes, everybody's hiring right now. Everybody. <laughs> right. And they can't, they can't find anyone to fill those jobs. I mean, is there, I mean, 
work ethic, I mean, is it just gone, or are we not instilling a work ethic, or is that just too broad a statement? Is that just too general? Here's the thing, right? So my generation was the first, you know, growing up, born in the 70s, growing up in the 80s, um, was the first generation to really, the push for college really started, right? College was always a thing Mm -hmm. in the 60s, but only really smart people went to college or, or the wealthy people went to college, um, but it became to the point where everybody, the expectation was you graduate, you go to college, right? I remember growing up initially, it was get your diploma so you can get a job. Mm-hmm. And then it became, well, you got to go to college to get right. a good job. And then now it's to the point where you, you better have your master's to get a job. So everybody's going to college now. And then part of going to college is the expectation is you're not going to do a manual labor job. Right? That's why you go mm-hmm. to college. So you don't mm-hmm. have to do that kind of work. Well, if more and more people are going to college, more and more people aren't willing to do that kind of work, mm-hmm. the blue-collar work. Everybody wants to live in a white-collar world. So what are you starting to see now? The trades are hurting. Yeah, fewer definitely. and fewer people are going into the trades. Why? Because you're supposed to go to college so you can get a high-paying job and not have to be in the trades. Mm-hmm. So the trades have starting to... This is really a crisis. I they're think. getting the, the the attitude is almost they're almost looked down upon by the last few generations as well, that work is beneath me, mm-hmm. and I'm broad brushing here, right? Mm-hmm. And I know not everybody that work is beneath me. Uh, I I'm educated. I'm not going to dig ditches. I'm mm-hmm. not going to get up on a roof. I'm not going to frame. Right. I have an education. I, I got an education, so I don't have to do that. So what are we seeing now? Like. There's a there's a huge gap in the trades, especially. Mm-hmm. You can go to a trade school now and get hired immediately. It makes some really good money yeah. and not be in college debt mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Right? And then, but what's happening now is you got a lot of people going to college. They're in mass amounts of debts, and there's no jobs there for them. Right. Because that's been flooded. Companies are a lot flatter since the market crashed 2008, 2009. Companies flattened out. There's less levels to be in. Um, so... We're we're in this dilemma right now that, and then COVID hits, so stimulus packages and government policies have encouraged people, accidentally. I'll say accidentally. I don't mm-hmm. know if I believe that or not. Mm-hmm. Accidentally to not want to go back to work. They made it more lucrative not to work. Right. Right. When when you got wait staff and people doing you know minimum wage type jobs in the in those. And you're getting more on unemployment and welfare. Why would you go back to work? Mm-hmm. And then exactly. the, and the stimulus packages bumped how much unemployment you were getting. So now, in, in most cases, they're making more. Mm-hmm. Why would you go back to work? Employees, yeah, really employers can't compete with that. No. Gee, should I sit at home and make four grand a month, or go wait tables and make two? Mm-hmm. Duh. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's really difficult. Right. And there was already a gap. Right. In those areas. So you got this, everybody's hiring because nobody wants, it's not that nobody wants to work. They've almost been incentivized not to. Mm, yeah. Now the trades are a different story. I don't think they haven't been incentivized not to work in trades because those jobs never really stopped during mm-hmm. COVID. Right. All those jobs right. kept going, right? right? It was mostly the white collar type of jobs that shut down. But mo- construction never stopped. Exactly. Manufacturing never stopped. In some places they shut down because the factories worried about COVID, but for the most part, everything, everything kept moving in those areas. Yeah. It's just that no one wants to do that kind of work anymore. And there's always the argument, well, if they paid more, 
Well, but the company still need to survive and make money. There's a balance mm-hmm. there. Right. Right. If your payrolls triple, your well, margins and go down and now, now you can't make the money you need to make to survive. Exactly. But I mean, even, you know, Thomas Sowell told me one time, actually he was on YouTube and That's I, right. I, no, he I, talks to me too. I assumed he was talking he to, talks me. to me too. Yeah. But he was talking about that very fact that, you know, you, for example, you start at McDonald's working at the drive through window, but typically in, in 11 months, you are in a position to even be a, a, a store manager. You know, I mean, if you're actually a hardworking person, you're on time, you're going to work. because nobody sticks around there. Yeah, they long. don't stick around because maybe that $10, $12 an hour isn't the living wage that they had envisioned it to be. But if you stick around, if you're pers- persistent or perseverant, whatever word I'm looking for There's, there's one thing I notice, um, especially at the college level, where – I say kids, and it drives me nuts that I say kids. I refer to college people as kids. Um, that entry-level jobs are beneath them mm-hmm. because they have an education, they have a diploma, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So anytime I hear somebody's like, oh, I don't, I don't have a job, I can't find work, I always blurt out, McDonald's is always hiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking to work for 12 bucks an hour. Well, how much are you making right now? <laughs> right. I'm not saying it's your forever job. Right, I'm just saying, right. it's like, all right, you pay the bills and figure something out until you can get your crap squared away right. to get that better job exactly. for whatever it happens to be. But to sit there and piss and moan with no income and you're not earning or producing mm-hmm. to me is ridiculous to me. Um, there's, there's, I, I bet you there's not a factory that you walk into that they're not hiring. Every, every one of them. Every hiring. one of them. Every one you can walk in and get a job. Is it crappy work sometimes? Absolutely, 100%. I'm not saying stay there forever. But for now, yeah. And again, I think if you if you, you know, just like Mike Rowe told me, you know, if people talk to me all the time, I, or at least I hear voices all the time. But Mike Rowe told me one time, you know, just find that opportunity, whatever that is, and get really good at it. You know, do it well, and then that next opportunity will present itself, and then take that and do that well, and you will find yourself in that position that you were hoping for. Sure, and then you always want to be able to, when you apply for that next job, if they call up your current employer, you want them to be able to say, man, Doug was awesome. I hated losing him. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, he was just the fry guy. I know, mm-hmm. but he was the best fry guy ever, and he was by far the hardest worker I had and the most dependable. Right. And he couldn't have really done, he could have done anything in the damn store. Good to know. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point. Right? You don't want everyone to yeah. get someone call up and say, oh, I'm glad he left. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he really didn't want this It was this my job. most menial job. He really he didn't want this job. I could tell he didn't want this job anyway, which may be true, yeah. but you can't act like that. No, absolutely not. You know, so I, I've been trying to preach that to my sons. You know, one of my sons is taking his last final of college today, and then is we, he? We, be- is he there for sure? <laughs> we believe that he will graduate. <laughs> this is what we've been led to believe anyway. And so... But I've told him that same thing because I don't, I don't think he truly knows or has much idea what he wants to do, as did I when I was 23. I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. But that, that basic philosophy is effective. You know, find an opportunity, maybe something that plays into your skill set or your interests and get really good at it sure. and then just find the next opportunity. Well, this whole, uh, I'll sit around and wait for something to happen or I'll sit around. My dream job is just going to appear. Like, you know, action alleviates anxiety. Right? That's, mm-hmm. a, that's something that works for me. Like, just do something. Start doing something, and that'll lead to something else. Start, yeah. It might not be the path you initially want, but, you know, you can change course. Mm-hmm. And you just start 
doing something and that will snowball into other things. Well, you know, I found my dream job at 55 years old, you know, I started working at 13, delivering newspapers and doing all those other jobs that you do part-time as you're growing up. And, you know, I took full-time employment when I got out of school and it wasn't right. So I found the next job and that led to the next job and those skills basically compounded and got me to the next job. And at 55, I finally started my own business and finally, and, you know, and this is what I had had been looking for. It took me 40 sure. years to get there, but it was worth the journey, you know? I, you know? You know, obviously we're way off the safety topic or leadership topic at this point, but I was just having this conversation with one of the girls that works for me, and uh, we had a student talking to us and saying that, you know, he was out of work, and he's finally found a job, so he's going to start, his kids have been in class, so he's going to start taking class now too, now that he can afford it. And I said to her, I go, I don't get that. She goes, what? I go, not working. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how, I mean, I understand jobs are hard to find or the right job's hard to find. Yeah, maybe the one you think's right. But I've been working since I was, my God, in fourth grade, Mm -hmm. fifth grade. Exactly. You know, I had my first legit job at 14 because that's, in Pennsylvania, that's when you could apply for a work permit and actually get paid on W-2 by somebody. Right. But I worked in the family businesses for free long before that. Right. So, you know, I don't know what it's like to not work like that concept to me i can't imagine of being okay and not working with not yeah. working is bizarre to me well i mean you just work constantly i mean you've got your business you teach you're in the in the guard i mean i do this you, you do, yeah i mean this is practically work i mean other than the pay but yeah man I, I totally agree with you i can't imagine i mean if for some reason i could not do what i'm doing now tomorrow uh-huh I, I'd go find a job somewhere else, I, and whatever that was, if it required two or three jobs to, you know. And I'm not, I'm no hero, man. I'm not, you know. Right. But I mean, I just like you, I just can't imagine not working. I don't, I don't get that. But I guess we're off topic. It's not even working; it's just earning. Not yes, earning, contributing, not contributing, not producing. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. That would be tough, you know. But I, I think that's more accepted now more than ever. Yeah. In the spirit of happiness, to bring it full circle, <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, man, we are we are past our hour. Sorry, Sasha. She's over there, like giving me the signal. Shut the hell up! But we did start a little late, though. My we fault. did start late. Hundred percent, no, no. my fault. Oh no, man! The traffic in Omaha is horrible. So, I you know what's so funny is I, um, man, there's so many lights in this town, <laughs> and I'm like, my gosh, can we just? You know, some cities will have that lane that's always green, mm-hmm. the straight lane. You can always. I, I wish we had more of those in yeah. this town, right? Yeah, it's always green, and just you can just fly, well, follow right through. Invariably, when I'm in a hurry, I hit all the lights. It's just the way oh, it works. Exactly there, there's just no way around today. that, man. It's not a big deal. Nobody, none of the listeners are going to know you were late <laughs> I <laughs> until I just told it. Yeah. You know. All right, man. Well, thanks again for coming in. You have bet, a buddy. good weekend. Anytime. It's always good to see you. I'll see you on Monday. And uh, Sasha, thank you. I hope you have a sure. good weekend. And I just want to encourage people listening to please send Doug questions. Like, there's things you want us to talk about. Um, one, it makes it easier on us. Plus, we get to actually get to the heart of yep. what you want to hear as well. Otherwise, yeah, that's we're, a just, good point. we're just making crap up. Exactly. I'm, I'm no, fly. that's true. That you would know. be true. And you can send it to me at Doug at FletcherSafety.com. We, we are happy to take your questions and answer or contribute at least to the extent that we can. So that would be terrific. All right, everybody, have a good weekend. Um, It's going to be 80 degrees here in Omaha. I'm going to be on the deck cooking something and drinking something. So I hope you you have a similar experience, and we'll talk to you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye.
Ahura Media Production.